starting this morning, we are going to go through um, Christ's last days, the last week of his life, starting from when he goes into Jerusalem. Today, we're going to go from the moment he goes into Jerusalem or as he's going into Jerusalem until he gets to Gethsemane. Friday night, we'll talk from Gethsemane to the grave. And then the following week from today for Easter, we're going to talk about the resurrection. And so excited about that, but I want to kind of lay as a, as a foundation or even maybe better as, as kind of the lens that we're going to be looking through. I want to look at a passage in Acts this morning, um, just to get us started in Acts chapter 4. You can turn there. I'm going to explain um, what's going on and how we get to this part in Acts, but Acts, 20, uh, Acts 4 verses 27 and 28. And leading up to this, what's going on is the disciples have been filled with the Spirit And the ministry is going well, to say the least. Hundreds and thousands of people are coming to know Christ. And so uh, in that, Peter and John are going to the temple in chapter 3. They're heading up to the temple. And at the temple gate, which was called the beautiful gate, there was a man who would daily be brought to the temple gate. He was lame. He couldn't walk. And so he would be carried there, laid there, and he would spend his days every day begging. That's what he did. So his friends would bring him, lay him down. He would beg all day long. Then they would get him, take him home. And then every single day, that's what would happen. And so as Peter and John are going to the temple, they pass this guy. And he begs and he asks them for money. And it says in chapter 3 that Peter and John look at him. And Peter says, look at us. And he fixes his attention on Peter and John and expecting to get money, Peter says to him, silver and gold we don't have, but what we do have we give to you in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise and walk. And this guy gets up, he takes Peter by the hand, he gets up, he's jumping around, he's rejoicing. You can imagine how many people are just going nuts. They've, they've seen this guy day in and day out, they're celebrating with this guy, they go into the temple, they're making pretty much a big ruckus. And they're surrounding Peter, they're surrounding John, and Peter takes that opportunity to preach the gospel to them. And it's amazing, as he preaches the gospel, you can see it in Acts chapter 4, he preaches the gospel and it says that 5,000 Jews believed in Christ and are saved. Phenomenal. Unless you're a religious leader. (laughs) They didn't like that, okay? And so they had already put Jesus to the death, and they're hoping that this whole Jesus thing kind of dies out, and it's not. It's, it's exploding, and the church is advancing, and so they call in Peter and John, and they rebuke them. They warn them, and what it says is, they say to them, you can't speak in the name of Jesus anymore. Well, Peter replies, and John replied to them in, in chapter 4, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And so the religious leaders warn them again and send them out. And then Peter and John go back with the disciples and those who are believers. And they gather with them. And that's when we're picking up uh, in chapter 4. And actually, I'm going to start with with verse 23 just to read through 28. It says, when they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of your father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? 
the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. Now here's our two verses here. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. This is their prayer. As they hear from from Peter and John, look, we're told by the religious leaders, the same people that killed Jesus, we can't talk about him anymore. They respond with worship. And in this worshipful prayer, they say this, Lord, Pontius Pilate, Herod, Gentiles, Jews, gathered together to do what your hand had predestined to do. God, it was your plan. What happened to our Lord? What happened to our King? Everything that happened to him was your plan. You planned it before the foundations of the world. It wasn't something that happened by accident. Jesus didn't just stumble into the hands of these angry men. God, you planned it. And that's why Jesus could say in John 10, 17, I lay down my life that I may take it up again. I lay it down. That's why he could say to Pilate, when Pilate accuses him and says, do you not know that I have authority to either put you to death or release you? Jesus looks at him and says, you would have no authority over me if it were not given to you from above. It was God's plan. And so as we go through this journey of, of Christ in these last days, I, I want us to think through that lens. How Loving is our God. How loving is our Savior that knowing the things that would take place, knowing before the foundations of the world what he was to endure, that he would lovingly walk through these days and pour into his friends, pour into his disciples, pour into those around, warn those who were against him. In in fact, Jesus had already said three times to his disciples that he was going to Jerusalem. He was going to be arrested and killed. In Mark 10, he says, and they were on the road. It says, and they were on the road going up to Jerusalem. And Jesus was walking ahead of them. And they were amazed. And those who followed were afraid. They knew what what would happen if, if they went there. These leaders are angry. And so taking the 12 again, he began to tell them what was to happen to him, saying, see, We are going up to Jerusalem and the son of man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles and they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. And after three days, he will rise. Jesus knew what was coming. He was preparing his disciples and yet he set his face to Jerusalem. And as we're going to see today, as as every step of the way that was planned by God before the foundations of the world is filled, filled with a life that is purposefully meant to glorify God, a life that is absolutely loving those he's with. At no point, at no point as we look through this, is Jesus self-centered and ignoring those around him. He just loves and loves and loves, and his purpose is the glory of God. And so as we think through this journey, I want to look through that lens. It was Sunday. When they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage, they were in Bethany. That's where uh, Lazarus and, and Mary and Martha lived. He had just raised Lazarus from the dead. And they're on the way from Bethany, and it says... 
When they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, Peter and John, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. And so the two disciples go and they do as Jesus said, and they find it just as Jesus said that they would find it, and they bring this donkey back. Now you can imagine at this point you've got all of this multitude of people who are following him from Bethany, right? They're friends, there's neighbors of Lazarus. There are those who knew that Lazarus was sick and that he literally died. They knew he was in the grave for four days. They knew that his body should have stunk. And then in comes Jesus and he speaks, Lazarus, come forth and this body that was dead comes out. So you can imagine there's probably a little bit of a ruckus and there's people who are following him and so excited. And as they see the disciples come back with this donkey and they put their cloaks over this donkey and and they're excited. They know the scriptures. They're remembering in Zechariah that he that he promising, say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you. Humble and mounted on a donkey on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. And they're thinking this is it. This is our king and this is the day and and the fulfillment of this prophecy is coming. And he's going to ride in Jerusalem and he's going to set up his kingdom. He's going to take down our enemies and everything's going to be great. And so they've got this kind of excitement going around as Jesus is riding towards Jerusalem. And they begin to cry out. They begin to shout out, Hosanna. To the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And they're, they're putting their cloaks on the ground. And they're breaking palm branches and waving them. And putting them on the ground. And continuing to shout out Hosanna. Hosanna to the son of David. Their hope is in this kingdom that's going to be set up now. As they're going along. Some Greeks come to Philip and ask to see Jesus. And so Philip tells Andrew and Philip and Andrew go to Jesus and tell him there's some Greeks that want to see you. And he responds to them and says, the hour has come for the son of man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. He continued to speak with them, and he said, Now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. That's, that's what the, the people wanted. That's what the disciples wanted. They're thinking kingdom, and he's proclaiming death. They're thinking we're going to Jerusalem and the kingdom's going to be set up and he's proclaiming, no, I'm going to die. Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose, I've come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. As they drew near and saw the city of Jerusalem, Jesus began weeping, saying, would that even you had known on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. And then he went into the temple and looked around, left the temple, and he and the disciples returned to Bethany for the night. It was Monday. 
And when they came from Bethany, he was hungry and seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf. He went to see if he could find anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. And he said to it, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. After that, they went into Jerusalem and went into the temple. And as Jesus entered the temple, he drove out all who sold and bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you make it a den of robbers. You can imagine the little bit of anger that might be welling up in those who sold the pigeons and the lambs and the goats and the things there. That's how they made their money. That's how they made their living. And now they've got doves flying all over the place and and sheep running all over the place. And it's just a mess. And you can imagine the, the Pharisees who had told them to do that. And there's an anger stirring and brewing in the Pharisees against him. But as he's in the temple, the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David. They were indignant. They said to him, do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes, have you never read? Out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies, you have prepared praise. And leaving them, he went out of the city to Bethany and he lodged there. It's Tuesday. They leave Bethany and on the way to Jerusalem, as they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered. Away at its roots. And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. And Jesus answered them, have faith in God. Truly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you've received it and it will be yours. And whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. He entered the temple. And in the temple, the Pharisees come to him and they, they challenge him. They come to him and they say, by what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? And Jesus answered them, I'll ask you one question. If you tell me the answer, then I will also tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, from where did it come? The Pharisees gather together and they begin to talk and discuss this. If we say it was from heaven, then Jesus is going to say to us, then why didn't you believe him? But if we say it's from man, then the people love John and they see him to be a prophet and they'll stone us. What are we going to do? I know what we'll do. Come back to Jesus? We don't know. Well, Jesus doesn't put up with that. He doesn't play games with them. And he says, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. Then he tells them a parable of two sons. He says, what do you think? A man had two sons. And he went to the first and said, son, go and work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I will not. But afterward, he changed his mind and went and he went to the other son and said to the, said the same. And he answered, I go, sir, but did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said the first. 
Jesus said to them, truly, I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even when you saw it, you did not afterward change your minds and believe him. He told him another parable. He said, there was a master of a house who planted a vineyard and put a fence around it and dug a wine press in it and built a tower and leased it to tenants and went into another country. When the season for fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the tenants to get his fruit. And the tenants took his servants and beat one, killed another and stoned another. Again, he sent other servants, more than the first, and they did the same to them. Finally, he sent his son to them saying, they will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and have his inheritance. And they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. When therefore the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? They said to him, he will put those wretches to a miserable death and let out the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the fruits in their season. Jesus said to them, have you never read in the scriptures, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. That was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing its fruits. And the one who falls on the stone will be broken to pieces. And when it falls on anyone, it will crush him told him another parable about a wedding feast and at this point the pharisees are are pretty ticked off and they want to trick him they want to they're trying to plot and figure out a way that they can catch him in his words and so they come to him and they ask him about paying taxes they say tell us what you think is it lawful to pay taxes to caesar or not but jesus aware of their malice said why put me to the test you hypocrites show me the coin for the tax and he takes the coin and he holds it up He says, whose likeness and inscription is this? He said, Caesar's. And he said to them, therefore, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. When they heard it, they marveled. And they left him and went away. The same day in the temple, the Sadducees came to him. The Sadducees who do not believe that there's a resurrection, they come and they try to test him. They try to trick him. And they, they, they present this long story of what if a, a man dies and, and he doesn't have any children and so his brother marries the wife and so forth and so on. And eventually there's seven husbands of this wife. When, when the wife dies and gets to heaven, who's going to be the husband? Jesus says, you don't know the scriptures. You're wrong. For in the resurrection, they're neither married nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. As for the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what was said to you by God? I'm the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He's not the God of the dead, but of the living. And when the crowd heard it, they were astonished at his teaching. A lawyer came to him trying to trick him and said, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus then asked the Pharisees a question. He said, What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? They replied and said, The son of David. He said to them, how is it then that David in the spirit calls him Lord? Saying, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. 
If then David calls him Lord, how is he his son? And no one was able to answer him a word, nor from that day did anyone dare to ask him any more questions. At that point, Jesus turns to the crowds and he begins to give curses, woes concerning the scribes and the Pharisees. Afterwards, he left the temple and as he was walking with his disciples, he begins to teach them. In fact, the disciples are looking around and admiring the temple and the buildings of the temple and and pointed out to Jesus and master, look at how beautiful the structures are. Jesus answers them, you see all these? Truly I say to you, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. He sat on the Mount of Olives and began to teach them more. He told them about the signs of the close of the age. He talked to them from Daniel about the the abomination of desolation. He told them that he was coming again, about the coming of the Son of Man. And how he would ride in on the clouds. The Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. He taught them and said to them from the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also when you see all these things, you know that he is near at the very gates. He went on and said, therefore, stay awake. For you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake. and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. He told them a parable of ten virgins, five virgins who who had their lamps ready and filled with oil, five who were not prepared. And when the bridegroom came, the five who were not prepared begged of those who had oil, for they had none, and they were left in outer darkness. He told them another parable about talents and how the master entrusted his servants with, with different talents and expected them to do something with these talents. He told of the one who buried his talent and the master's anger towards him. In all this, he's telling his disciples, he's teaching his disciples to be prepared for us to be ready, to be prepared at all times. And then he told them of the final judgment that is to come. It's now Wednesday, and when Jesus had met with his disciples and they're coming in. He said to them, you know that after two days, the Passover is coming. The Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. The chief priests and the scribes were seeking how to put him to death for they feared the people. Then Satan entered into Judas called Iscariot, who was of the number of the 12. He was a disciple. He walked with Jesus. He saw the things that Jesus did and yet his heart never believed him, never trusted in him. Like the crowd that's following him into Jerusalem, Judas is just waiting, expecting. Jesus is going to set up this kingdom. I'm one of the 12. I get to rule. I get to reign. I get stuff. But his heart never believed Jesus. His heart never believed that he was the son of God. And so Satan entered into Judas Iscariot and he went away and he conferred with the chief priests and officers how he might betray Jesus to them. And they were glad 
and agreed to give him money. So he consented and sought an opportunity to betray him to them in the absence of a crowd. And on the first day of unleavened bread, when they sacrificed the Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, where will you have us go and prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he sent two of his disciples and said to them, go into the city and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him. And wherever he enters, say to the master of the house, the teacher says, where's my guest room? Where I may eat the Passover with my disciples. And he will show you a large upper room furnished and ready. There prepare for us. And the disciples set out and went to the city and found it just as he had told them. And they prepared the Passover. It was Thursday and they gathered together in the upper room. And as they gathered together, Jesus did something extraordinary in their eyes. He says, before the feast of the Passover... When Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. And then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? You can imagine as as the disciples were walking in present-day Bethany, Jerusalem, the things that they walked in. Jesus answered him, "What what I'm doing You do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered to him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean and you are clean, but not every one of you, for he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garment, he resumed his place and said to them, do you understand what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you should also do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Not speaking of all of you, I know whom I've chosen, but the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. I'm telling you this now before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. He reclined at the table and the apostles with him. and He said to them, I have earnestly desired this Passover with you before I suffer. Can you imagine? Jesus knows these are his last hours. This is the last time they will gather together intimately before he dies. And he says to them, I have earnestly desired this time with you. 
I've looked forward to this. I've wanted to be here with you. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he, he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant of my blood. After saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified, truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. Disciples looked at one another, uncertain of whom he spoke. And one of his disciples, whom Jesus loved, was John, was reclining at table close to Jesus. So Simon Peter motioned to him to ask Jesus of whom he was speaking. So that disciple, leaning back against Jesus, said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, it is he to whom I will give this morsel of bread when I have dipped it. So when he had dipped the morsel, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, John and Peter seeing. Then after he had taken the morsel, Satan entered into him again. And Jesus said to him, what you are going to do, do quickly. At that time, Jesus looked at Peter and he said to him, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you, that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny three times that you know me. Jesus began to teach them in the upper room. He said to them, now is the son of man glorified. And God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You can imagine being the disciples who have spent day in and day out and day in and day out with their Savior. And and he says to them, you will not see me. You cannot be with me any longer. Where I'm going, you cannot go. And the heartache and the hurt and the things that they must have been feeling. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. And Jesus said, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may also be. And you know the way to where I'm going. Maybe like many of us, Thomas replied, Lord, 
We don't know the way. We don't know where you're going. And Jesus replied, I am the way. And I am the truth and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip spoke up and said, Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. Jesus said, have I been with you so long and you still don't know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I'm going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I'll do it. Jesus taught them and promised them that the Holy Spirit was coming and that he would remind them of all the things that he had spoken to them. It would be better for them if he went away because if he goes away, that they would receive the Holy Spirit. He taught them that he was the vine and that the Father was the vine dresser. And then apart from the vine, that we can do nothing. In fact, he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. He told them to go and to bear fruit. He, he warned them and told them that if the world hated him, they will hate them as well. And that they would be hated by the world. And just as the world hated him, their master, they would hate them as well. He says, but when the helper comes who I send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me and you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. He said to them, these things I've spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you'll have trouble, but take heart for I have overcome the world. And he began to pray for them. He prayed that his father would be glorified. He prayed for his disciples and and for us, those who would believe in him. He prayed that we would love him, that we would have the same unity as he has with his father. He prayed that we would be sanctified by the truth. And he declared, Father, your word is truth. And then he left with his disciples and went to a garden called Gethsemane. We pray, Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for your word. And Jesus, even as you declared, your word is truth, Father. And Lord, to think that before the foundations of the world, you purposed, you planned for every one of these things that we've talked about to take place. Jesus, to think that as you were facing not only death, but knowing that you would absorb the wrath of your Father, 
you went forward. You loved your disciples. You loved them enough to tell them of the things that were coming. You loved them enough to to pour into them, to prepare them. You loved them enough to teach them. You have loved us enough to write it down. And so we praise you today. Lord, because you are worthy. And knowing that this is not the end of the story. That your journey continued. And and as we look ahead to this Friday and next Sunday, that it does not end in a garden. That you ascend to a mountain. And are placed in a grave. But Jesus that you overcome. You overcame death. You overcame sin. You conquered. And you reign. And you are worthy. Help us to be. Worshippers of you. Father I pray. Pray for every single one of us. Pray for every person in this room. You know their hearts. I don't know their hearts. I can't see in them you see their hearts you see truth you know they're standing before you lord and jesus just as you prepared the disciples and us you said that there is a judgment coming and i pray lord i pray for every person here there's anyone that is not in a relationship with you maybe they're like judas maybe they have walked around you their entire life but they have never trusted in the work that you have accomplished on the cross. They've never believed you, Jesus, as the true Son of God in the only way, the way, the truth, and the life. I pray, I pray for them right now that you'd open their hearts, open their minds, bring faith to them, Lord. Help them to see that you are worthy, that you alone are worthy, that you alone are the Savior, that you are truly the way. To the Father, you are the truth and you are eternal life. And for those of us who have believed and trusted in you, may this be a time of just renewal in our hearts that we would confess to you, repent of those things that dishonor you, Lord. Turn to you, embracing you. The same love that you loved the disciples with, you have loved us with, Lord. And we praise you. We are grateful. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you didn't turn your back on Jerusalem, but you went straight forward knowing the cross was in front of you. May we live that way, Lord, purposefully desiring to glorify you no matter what is ahead. In Christ's name, amen.